The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. My name's John Styles. I'm a former professional footballer. I played for um, Leeds United and Doncaster Rovers. Um, I'm in the history books at Leeds United because I was the very first Leeds United substitute ever to be substituted. <laughs> That's how good I was. But some of you may remember my father a little better, a little fella called Nobby Styles, who played in the World Cup for 1966. They, they do say that uh, talent is a generation. You what, Paul? Yeah, thank you very much. I normally work on my own, Paul. Yeah, I know, yeah. Thank you. Um, right, we've got... We've got uh, have you got that list of thank yous, John? You want me to do it now, don't you? Um, so we've got a number of thank yous to do. We've got, obviously, to the rugby club for doing this at such short notice, and it was a lot cheaper than going to the football club. Um, we've got Kev, Breck, Guy, Ben... Toddy, all the sponsors, um, I'm not going to name them all, but all the sponsors, could we please give them a massive round of applause? <laughs> we've, got, um, we've got Rob Statton from Radio Sheffield. He's going to interview the lads in a minute. He's a <laughs> oh, and of course, of course, a real, a real Rotherham legend, Ronnie Betfred Moore. <laughs> Sorry, Paddy Power it was. Scouse <laughs> bastard. Um, right, we've got, we got, we got a raffle as well. John Breck's daughter's going to go around with the raffle. We've got some fantastic raffle prizes. Just listen to this. We've got two Sheffield United season tickets. Or 20 quid in cash. We've got, um, uh, we've got some other prizes. What else have we got, John? We've got some other prizes, haven't we? Well, they're just, just serious shirt. ones. We've got, we've got some football shirts. We've got two tickets for the next Animal Rights Barbecue. Please, give
give the best of order while they're talking. They are legends. They're giving the time up for nothing. To, to introduce them and in, to interview them, we've got Rob Statton from Lady and Yo Sheffield. Here we go. Why are you doing? Anyway, well, let's welcome our legends on. Let's see, we'll give it a big round of applause then for the four guys that you want to hear from. Let's hear it for Guy Branston. Okay, Brano's here. Let's have a round of applause as well for Mark Todd. And give a warm rather and welcome for the return of Ben Pringle. <laughs> and a final round of applause for John Brecken. <laughs> so, okay, I've got some questions here that have been sent to us already, but on your tables you will see a bit of paper and a pen. So what you need to do, guys, is Get your thinking caps on between now and the second session. Write some questions down. And the best ones we'll read out in the second half of the Q&A. Okay, so we've got some questions to do here. Have a think. Be creative. Write your questions down. I'll come and get them a little bit later on for the second half. So we're going to start off with a nice, easy one. There are some very interesting questions. We've already got a question in. We've got some very interesting questions here. But we're going to warm the fellas up with a nice, easy one. So let's go across the panel what is your best and worst moment in a Miller's shirt? John, do you want to kick us off? Well, obviously, in a Miller's shirt was 80-81, that great side. Uh, played in every game, uh, won promotion, the championship, and got in the PFA side. So, can't better that. Uh, I think the best moment for myself was would obviously be the, to be fair, the, the whole four years was, was too good, but definitely the back-to-back -back promotions and obviously finishing at Wembley, that was by far the best moment. Um, worst with Steve Evans is literally too many to mention. Uh, I, I don't think I could, I could possibly single one or two out, but yeah, too, too many worst memories. Cheers, Prince. Um, the best moment was... Um, probably the second goal away at West Brom. I think it was the first time we'd uh, played a league match there. Um, that box-to-box -box goal that nobody ever sees anymore because it's just, it was 1844 or something like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that was a magnificent moment for me. 2-2 um, on the day. It was a great performance by the boys. The very worst moment uh, in the Rotherham shirt was when um, that little uh, Scottish prick walked through the door, Mr Archie Gemmell. And we'll just leave it at that. Uh, best time for me was uh, Mason's on a Sunday. And uh, probably Monday night was the worst after running with your brother. So, yeah, it's, uh, no, honestly, it was, um, I think the first two years, obviously, back-to-backs, and then the second two years was, was quite tough, but Again, like Prince says, four years, still turning up now at this sort of age, talking about the Robin years, which is always baffling and we can't on the way up. But thank you. I appreciate being here. So. 
Okay, good answers. Um, second, kind of warm-up question, really. Uh, who's the best and worst manager that you ever played for? Uh, John Brecky. Um, very hard one, that. I uh, played with, again, well, that many managers, but uh, I think the best manager uh, in my career for eight years was Jim McGuigan, because I, I learned hell of a lot of him. But the best manager by far... The best manager by far was Ian Porterfield. That one year was unbelievable. The worst. On the worst. The worst manager has uh, got to be uh, Emily Hughes. I mean, what a tremendous footballer. Um, but management-wise, and uh, me personally, never got on with him. I played for him, a lot of games for him, but uh, I just didn't get on with him at all. Uh, I think for me, first and foremost, was uh, Andy Scott. Um, everyone obviously knows we clearly didn't get along. Um, and the best and the worst is obviously the big man, Steve Evans. <laughs> for many reasons for both. <laughs> yeah, I've got that uh, love-hate relationship with uh, Mr. Harry Bassett. Um, I can't touch upon Archie because I'd just get angry. And being a Belfast boy, I don't want to put them back on the UDA list. <laughs> then he came off about 30 years ago. Uh, however, my brother still wants to come across. Who are we hurting first, Mark? Who are we hurting first? <laughs> oh, and there's a wee fucking Planet 8 guy over there that's pretending to be a Scottish international. Or, sorry, he was a shit brand club. Um, but worst and uh, best and worst was Harry, Harry Bassett. You know, he, he gave me my league debut. He picked me for 100 games and then he stopped picking me for some reason. So, yeah, um, he's a, obviously a fabulous character. Um, we have a laugh about it now. But, uh, but yes, um, yeah, he's a, he's, a top, he's a top guy. I can say that. I'm going now, but back then. Actually, fucking now, I had about 55 fucking managers. <laughs> And uh, there's not many good ones, so it's going to be a long fucking night, isn't it? <laughs> um, obviously, Ronnie's here, so I've got to say top five for Ronnie, haven't I? <laughs> but I mean that, generally, he's a, he's a fucking great guy. I just give him a big old day. He struggled dogging me because he can't twist his neck, but he's a fucking great guy. <laughs> Where is he? He's behind me again, is he? <laughs> Listen, you know I've got a lot of you. Uh, I'd say top three, mate, if I'm honest, you are. But Martin O'Neill was unbelievable. Um, amazing guy to work with, a young kid growing up, learning about football, learning about what it's about, management, and being around him on a daily basis is unbelievable. And then, obviously, Ronnie came and saved my life. Like, I've talked to you twice already, mate. So, fuck me. Um, yeah, I'll probably say about 10 times if I'm honest with Brett. But, no, and the worst was a bloke called Tony Adams. Uh, I, had, I had 10 minutes with him at Wickham. Uh, amazing. Like I said about, you know, true, true players coming into management straight away, thinking they know it all and they were miles off it. I was amazed by how bad he was, but that's my uh, worst. It was, a, it was really bad. I think uh, just on that one, the guy, uh, me and Ronnie, as you know, we got the sack at Rotherham and we, five days later, we ended up at Oldham Athletic. We are introduced to the players. We walk into the players and as we walk in, guys straight away goes, I thought I got rid of you fucking two. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
just a reminder, I had a quick message that the bar is now closed while we're doing the Q&A, but it will be back open as soon as we finish the Q&A. Right, let's have some of the questions that you have sent in. Uh, this is from Anonymous, and some of these are anonymous, I'm not sure why, but anyway. Uh, this is from John, uh, this is for John. Uh, after spending many a moment in the changing rooms over the years, uh, which players had the biggest ego? <laughs> A little bit awkward, that bit. No, I think at Rotherham, I think it's a club, and it, it is now. I know it is now. I don't think we've had the big egos and the big time Charlies. Uh, certainly not. It's uh, a well-run club from that point of view. I, I go back to uh, Emily News were different. They were a different breed. He played for England uh, how many times? He were an unbelievable player, Emily. Uh, he breezed in after Ian Porterfield, a big, big name, but uh, a big disappointment for me. Uh, we had the year which were a successful year. We were third bottom and uh, we went to make games in Feb February, which was an unbelievable February. And, uh, you know, we went to third top, but it just fell away after that. It was hardly in the club. We hardly trained. Uh, you know, it suited some players, but not for me. Um, so for me, and he had a big ego, believe me, what he'd done and, you know, who he'd played with. And he used to let us know that. So for me, Emlyn, but... Uh, as other players, no, I've not really come across many at Rotherham. That was just a question for you, John. We've got a slightly different question for Ben. Okay, here we go. This is from Rich. Can you talk about the time that Evan shat himself? All the best in that one. I thought this would come out a little bit later, to be honest. It's, uh, it's quite early doors. Yeah, I can uh, I can talk about it. Um, so we were going to an away game. Um, I'm not sure where it was. Um, and obviously on the bus, it's quite dark. It was travelling overnight. So um, there's obviously the toilet on there, which is quite small. Um, and the manager, Steve, has gone in there. Um, and he's gone in. They're back on, yeah. So he's uh, he's gone into the toilet. I've I've gone down to go to the toilet. It's still in there. Five, ten minutes, 15, 20, 25 minutes have gone by. He's in there for a long time, basically. Um, obviously, on an away game, it's uh, it's quite dark down there. So obviously, I was the next person in after Steve Evans, um, and obviously the light didn't work when I went in there. Um, so I've gone down the stairs. The door's kind of shut behind me. Um, the light's not on, so it's pitch black. Just got my torch out from my phone, so I can see what I'm doing and stuff. Um, anyways, I've come out of the <laughs> come out of the <laughs> and uh, I've put the door back and looked up, and I seen Joe Scores and Richie Smallwood. Their faces were just staring in complete and utter disbelief. Um, the light, funnily enough, came on when I was leaving uh, the toilet, not as I was going in. So I've kind of looked against the toilet door, and there's there's just shit all down the toilet <laughs> toilet door into the the toilet. There's just shit there. Um, we had a tracksuit at the time, which had like white stripes, kind of going down the tracksuit bottom. <laughs> yeah, the shit was on my tracksuit bottoms. Um, so, <laughs> this is on a way to a game, by the way, where 
is professional like it's just and I've got Steve Evans's shit all up my tracksuit so um obviously I've gone up the back of the bus getting absolutely slaughtered from the lads um and I think I stripped off uh down to my boxes and actually walked off the bus to the hotel um wearing only my boxes so uh because obviously I was thinking the place out but yeah he knew what he was doing and it wasn't the first time that that happened uh, that season. So I don't think it got on anyone else apart from myself, but that was the Steve Evans ship story. <laughs> uh, we drew 3-3 three, three against Preston, I think it was. So but it wasn't the first time, like I said. Wow, that's quite an interesting uh, motivational technique there from the manager. Um, Mark, an anonymous one here, it says, who was the biggest star in the changing room when you were at Man United? Uh, lots of big big players there. 1984 when I arrived as a naive wee virgin from Belfast. Um, <laughs> uh, looking back, it had to be Brian Robson. He ran the bleeding club, let alone the, the dressing room. He was in captain, my night captain. He was an unbelievable professional um, and the, the drinking school is, is was real um, but he was the only one that really <laughs> ran through it uh, so to speak um, but he was phenomenal as a, as a bunch of apprentices looking up to Robbo particularly me as a centre mid or an, uh, an aspiring centre mid he was he was just phenomenal he could do absolutely everything um, with and without the ball he was intimidating he was is people realise how good a, good, a, good of a passer he was? I mean, um, particularly off just left foot, but he scored some wonderful goals. Um, but he was very, very generous. If you remember at the time, he was he was the first player to be sponsored by New Balance. Um, and periodically, he'd be bringing in these, these boxes and boxes of t-shirts and just chucking them into the youth team dressing room and saying, "Here you go, boys," on behalf of, of New Balance. So, you know, behind the uh, behind the steel and the, the performances, as, as they call them, captain. Captain Marvel, he was a, a, a brilliant role model for us, certainly for me, like I say, aspiring midfield player. So, yeah, Robbo ran the club, <laughs> you know, and it was, uh, it's brilliant looking back now and uh, having had those three years there and that great education I had that kind of set me up for the, the next 10 years in footy. Okay, Guy, um, this one from Rich as well. He's got all the good yeah. questions tonight. Uh, what actually happened in the tunnel against Norwich, and did you get a good one in on Darren Huckabee? <laughs> He's only come for this one. He's only got here for this one. No, it was, uh, I think I've told the story a few times, but it was one of his fault. Um, I backed him up as normal, put my arm on my sleeve to run it, like I always did and uh, ended up fucked as normal. So, uh, now we ended up off the pitch arguing, and Huckabee obviously was running the show. Unbelievable player, by the way. <laughs> Phenomenal. Shouldn't have been playing in the championship. I think we all agree on that. Um, again, it was, you know, we were up against it. We always were. We dug deep. We had a right good go, and, and we gave it his best shot, and it was leading into half-time, and heated clashes with um, Fleming, and um, obviously... Leon McKenzie and Huckabee and Ronnie's pissed that he's died, but he did. And you know, I'm fuming with Leon because I thought he pissed um, on me. I thought he spat on me. 
No, not your fucking story, man. Um, so I sat there and, you know, started having a go at Leon and Leon starts having a go at me and he's caught me shit accent and I've just lost my head and give him a slap at literally as we walk in. And unbeknown to me, there's a, there's a referee um, adjudicator now, isn't it? But a referee adjudicator sitting there at the top of the tunnel. It's some walk back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, from top to bottom in the old um, the old stand. And I thought I caught him just outside so no one's seen it other than a bit of the crowd on the, on the cop. And I walked off because he's fucking picking his teeth up. And I've gone down there, like laughing, and I thought, yeah, fuck him. And he's gone mad at me. He's gone fucking mad at me. Like, what the fuck you fucking done? I ain't done anything. Fucking not my fault. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he said the referee seen me. He's been, I think you got booked, didn't you, Gaffer? He got booked and fucking, you're, you're laughing as normal. Fucking, fucking brother. Fucking <laughs> And I'm I'm sitting there going, I ain't done anything, I ain't done anything. <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere after half time, like just trying to get some oranges in there. And yeah, that was it. That was what happened. And obviously we had an unbelievable game. You know, Teeth Butler, it was unbelievable that day, scored. It was actually that day, wasn't it, Butts? Yeah, unbelievable. Scored with two teeth and his teeth were amazing, weren't they? <laughs> I think he spent his sign on fee on his teeth. They were the best fucking things I've ever seen. But great guy, again, legend, legend. Just while, just while guy's on that, no, he's right, he's spot on that, but what I have to laugh at, is I think Rotherham people will know him, and I knew him from a young lad, Steve Pickervance, and in them days, he weren't, it was the fourth official, but it was a local referee they had, yeah. and Steve, he's a massive Rotherham fan, and I know the family, so anyway, we're up the tunnel, Ron is in full flow in the dressing rooms, and there's a little tap on the, on the door like that, so I've gone to, who's that? So, the linesman. Not Steve Pickervance, the linesman. So he went, can I see him? And he says, uh, Guy Branson, yeah, sent off. I went, what? He says, he's sent off. I said, what for? He says, he's punched a player in the tunnel. Uh, the fourth official seen it. So it was Steve Pickervance. So I've gone in. He's in full flow now, Ronnie, having a go and everything. So I've just, I'm waiting to, <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting to get in like. We've got to organise here, like, we've got a player sent off. So, uh, uh, Tap Ronnie on shoulder. What, what, what? I says, guy's been sent off. What the fucking hell have you done? <laughs> and guy, straight away, done no, done nothing. <laughs> and that's the story. Unbelievable. Okay, this is, um, this is to John from Mark. It says, okay, uh, is it true that <clears throat> Tony Stewart is so tight he only cries out of one eye? Uh, joking aside, <laughs> don't answer that, John. Um, joking aside, in your opinion, how much has Tony changed the landscape and the future of the club? Um, I think he's, he's done a wonderful job. I mean, the state he was in when he took over, a uh, brave man to do it at the time. Uh, I know he's getting stick at the moment a little bit, but... Um, He's took it from Don Valley. We had to get out of Millmore at that time. I was down there with Mark Robbins. We had to get out. It was in a state. The lads weren't getting paid. Uh, it, honestly, it, the atmosphere was shocking. And to be fair, he's he come into the club, <clears throat> and I'll give him massive credit, took it on. I mean, he's got a, a thriving business. Why get involved with football? And he did do. And he said that he'd have a stadium, and nobody really believed him, even I probably one of them. Um but he 
he's done it and he's produced and he's moved him on from that. And the success he's had is unbelievable when you think for a Rotherham, for the club, the size, size of the town, to do what he's done over the 10 years, I think it's the anniversary, is it today, somebody said? 10 years today. Uh, to do that and it, what it's done for the town, the stadium, when you go past it, when you drive in there. I mean, I love Millmore. I still do a fantastic little old stadium, but how we've moved on from that. And, you know, when you pass in train or on that road, the New York Stadium, and I know because I was brought up in that area, why it's called New York. And uh, so he's done a fantastic job. And I know fans, and there's a lot in here frustrated, get some money spent this time. It isn't as easy as that. I'll probably come on to that later. It isn't that easy when you get success. Me and Ronnie had it. You get success, success. You've got to try and better the players you've got. And Warney's having a torrid time at the moment. He's got no air, but he's pulling it out. And I can tell you, we've signed a player today. You all know that. Experience center off. Uh, the player, Grant Hall. So get on your, yeah, Grant Hall. Experience. He's a championship player. <coughs> Let's just hope. Well, he's signed for us. And he's on, he's on loan. He's on loan. Uh, he's come from Middlesbrough. Uh, and uh, I'll be I'll be meeting him tomorrow and fixing him up in Wickersley because we like the Wickersley we like the W don't we? Has W give us anything tonight for this? But from 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 Warney's point of view, um, it's very very frustrating because the train we had a, we had forms signed well not signed the forms were all ready for the lad from uh, Southampton coming up yesterday midfield player or two days ago. And the agent, it's a game of agents. We'll come on to that in, in later. Game of agents, the agent gets a phone call. He divers Augusta Stoke City and size. I think it's wrong decision. I hope he plays a lot of games at Stoke. But, you know, it could be the wrong decision. He'd have been playing at Rotherham for his education. But it is frustrating time. Tony, going back to the question, he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, we're all frustrated. We'd like to see a bit more investment. Uh, but you'd have to ask him that, and I will—I'll I'll never criticise him for that. Okay, hey, uh, JB's got another question here. This one is for Tony and Brex, uh, the only ones old enough to answer. Ha ha ha! It says. Uh, so there we go. Uh, how much has the game changed in fifty years in terms in terms of skill, technology, and fitness? It hasn't changed a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with, first of all, the science part, and me and Ronnie, Ronnie's going to, they have urine tests now. You imagine me and Ronnie after Adam and Eve having a urine test the next day. Taking the piss job, taking the piss, aren't they? So, no, the game has changed all of a lot. I mean, I remember the, my, my debut 18-year-old, Phillips, who was in early, God bless him, Trev. And I always wondered why the trainer, it was trainer then, no physio, no doctor. Uh, the doctor were getting pissed up in the uh, boardroom. Uh, but what happened was the trainer used to have a, a bottle of whiskey and I used to think the trainer you know, every trainer at every club had a bottle of whiskey anyway I'm lining up I've only played in the intermediates and in the reserves so it's my debut at Millmore home debut and I'm lining up we're ready to go out and there's one or two old pros in there Raymond Zanuck and Billy Wilkinson people like that all at once the bottle of whiskey comes out everybody has to have a swig Jim McInerney's all the Scotsmen You've got to have a mouthful. I don't like whiskey. I don't particularly like it now. So anyway, the bottle of whiskey, you walk to the door and the trainer's there. Bottle of whiskey. 
you have to have a swig. You have to have a swig of whiskey. I'm thinking, oh, my God. So Philip say, Barnsley lad, he has to have a swig. He has two swigs. So he's going out. And I'm thinking, I've got to have a swig here. I've got to show that I'm a man. 18-year-old, I have a mouthful of whiskey. I keep it in my mouth. And honestly, I couldn't wait to get in the tunnel. I spat it out. The first half, I just tasted whiskey all the bloody game. So the game, how it's changed, hell of a lot. You know, the pitchers a lot better. The science is unbelievable. The, the, they take, they do that much science on, on well-being and players are looked after. The diets, they live right. Uh, they do look after themselves. That's probably because of the money that's in the game. Um, and I, I just think it has moved on all of that. And I could talk all night about how it has moved on. And, uh, you know, I, but I think mainly the, uh, you know, now players go down injured. They go down, they have, a, they, have a bottle, uh, they have bottles of water on the side of the pitch. They have a break now for water. Ronnie will tell you, you weren't allowed it. If you went in the dressing rooms at half time, the trainer would walk in, hey, you can't have a drink of water, son, it gives you stomach cramps. You wouldn't be allowed to have water, but you'd have a mouthful of whiskey before the game. <laughs> so, and we've all, but we've all heard the story just before I pass it on to Tony. Jim McGuigan come out with it. He says, I, we've, all, we've all heard of the old days. Centre forward, we're shorter at centre forward. We go to the pit top, we're shorter at centre forward. And then Ed had come up, I'll play. Anyway, finish his shift and he'd be on his way at Millmoor and he'd call in Moulders and he'd call in Millmoor and he'd have three pints. And he'd go out and he scored that trick. And Jim McGuin went, but what the fucking didn't tell you? Center half, who he was playing against, he called at four fucking pubs and had four pints alive. So, you know, I mean, these stories go on and on, and we could talk for ages about how the game's changed, and it has changed all of a lot. I mean, these will tell you as well, they are looked after so well, the lads today. And rightly so, rightly so. The trainer had come on on a red hot day like now. You'd wait for somebody to get injured. The trainer had come on with his little bladder and the sponge. The sponge were in the bag. You'd wait for him to do the player, and then you'd sneak up and get the sponge. And you'd all share it. You'd all have a bite of the sponge. And it weren't well now, I think, mate. He had a new sponge at the first game of the season. It lasted all year. But he'd just been on the pitch and wiped all back of his neck, his face, all the snot, all the blood off. And then we'd pick it up and have a bite of it. That's the only water we had, honestly. Ronnie will tell you that's the only water you were allowed. Rightly so, the game has moved on unbelievable. So, but I could talk all night about that. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, I think as much as the, the cash has come into uh, into the game, obviously with the Premier League setting up in '92. Um, I currently work for Man City, so you know, probably one of the richest clubs in the world, and output is phenomenal. So, um, five years, semi-finals. But I think the social media side of things, and probably boys and younger lads will probably get to know this um, or, or know about this more than, than perhaps our era, um, where you're so exposed um, and you have to behave right, of course, because that investment, either in your salary or your transfer fee, um, is 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 there? It's right. It's it's top of your profile pick. Whatever you know when you're talking about, you're talking about your salary potentially, but definitely talking about your um, transfer fee and and it's astronomical amounts of money. I mean, I remember starting at Man United, 
first year apprentice, 27.50 a week. <laughs> but, you know, these days, you're 16, you're 17, you're 18 year olds signing long-term contracts at the big clubs for thousands a week, you know, and it's, um, and those guys probably at that point deserve it. Whether they keep deserving it, it's up to them. You know, that's just the market. Um, you know, there's there's been some, you know, charlatans have come and cream some money that they didn't deserve. But I always think that if, if you're in those terms and those figures, then I think you're good enough to be um, certainly starting um, on accelerators and producing and, and, and performing at that level. Because if you don't, you know, some production is unbelievable. I know that myself. Say, season, season, so watching But the point back to, uh, I think I had a little spell at a little spell at Wolves on loan, and last season I saw Wolves's first team picture for the season, and there was as many staff as there was players. So 25 squad, 28 squad, 28 wraparound staff. And I think that's where the science, you know, the strength conditioning, the analysts, I mean, they analyze for fun. I was talking to a, I'm not naming, I was talking to a very good goalkeeper the other day. I looked and he said, I'm so bad at the first team anymore. me. for Ben it says from Sean uh, Ben what is your best goal as a Miller um, yeah I mean <laughs> I think obviously the, the Sheffield Wednesday goal I don't I don't think I've hit a ball like that before in my life or I probably will never do it again um just one of those that play the game, you know. Once you catch it, you catch it good, and it, it yeah, it was uh, it was unbelievable. But to be fair, I scored. I, I think I scored a few. There was the one against Shrewsbury away, half volley, um, and a couple of other ones. But yeah, no, definitely the the, the game in the cup. Obviously, the tweet after in the night out and everything was just part of the package. So talking about social media now and stuff. So uh, fuck knows what I was thinking, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was good banter at the time. <laughs> and Guy, uh, this one from an anonymous uh, question here. It says, how are you finding being an agent and how hard is it managing so many egos? Particularly your own. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's... The, the players are the players. It's like, like you said, they've changed over the years. And well, I've been in that many different dressing rooms. I've kind of got accustomed to different characters anyway. So it's uh, getting loads of different ideas about how to deal with them, 
just being in the mix of it and learning from experience. And I think the, the young lads, some of them, you know, you, you'll come across the need the, a strong arm with them and some of them need, you know, a, a real good coach's eye on it and some of them need, you know, a, a real good guidance off the pitch because they've, they've got all sorts of things wrong. But I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy the recruitment side. I've been doing it now since I finished. So I've already jumped into um, agency I should have stayed in it originally, but I've got a good offer to go into a club. So I ended up leaving it again and I've actually gone left Leicester and gone back into being an agent. So I think it's the best thing for me. I think the players, you know, like, like we just spoke about the finances, I think, you know, I've always said the lower down you go, the more mental health issues they have. And unfortunately that's true. So you, you want to try and pitch as high as you can with some of them and try and work with the best, but it's very difficult, you know, the, they haven't just got one agent, they've got four or five running around after them. So try and try and get them top end players and then you're dealing with the egos, the agents ring you up all the time threatening you and which I quite enjoy. But um it's something uh it's something quite funny for me because the industry always surprises me. It's full of absolute clowns, like screwing around, chances, like in clubs, outside clubs, owners, fucking directors, loads of chances. So if you stick on the toes, see what they've got, they usually shit themselves. And that's how I work. So I just go and approach people, try and be around them, be as honest as I can. And if it don't work, it don't work for me. But I give it a fucking good go. And uh, one final question for this section. Uh, it is for Ben from Chris. Uh, did you ever come close to coming back to Rotherham uh, after you left? Um, yeah, I think me and Warney had a chat. Um, I think it was when I was leaving Fulham um, and I was living in Manchester at the time and talking about mental health and stuff like that. I think obviously looking back at my career, um, obviously then four years without knowing it at the time, um, obviously with Steve Evans and his shenanigans every single day was enough to drive anyone mental. But um, I think looking back, obviously that was the best time in my career um, and I didn't probably have that again in my career to date. So um but yeah, it was just kind of going through a bit of a strange time and I was living in Manchester and I think me and Warney spoke and he was kind of wanting to do it, but I didn't sound staffed. I didn't want to kind of travel over or move again because I'd done so so much of it in the last kind of year and a half, going to Fulham and Ipswich hotels and changing to different hotels and stuff. It sounds daft, but obviously it was, it was quite a lot of the time. So um so yeah, I came close, and then after that, that, that was kind of it. So um, yeah, that was probably the the closest. But I, I do regret kind of not pushing it more because obviously I think everyone knows what I think of Warney and what a great guy he is. So I would have loved to have, have played for him again. Definitely, it was a, a shame that never happened. Uh, okay, so uh, before we get into this, the, your questions that you've written down tonight, John wanted me to mention Howard Webb was originally going to be here, but. He couldn't make it. He's over in the United States. He's got a lot of work going on. But he's chucked in £500 for tonight for the charity. So let's have a round of applause for Howard as well. Uh, let's see what you've got for us then. This question, the first one is for Guy. Uh, hi, Guy. I hear you've got a trick with a 50p coin. What is that trick from Shaw? Oh, that's <laughs> um, I used to like a bet um, back in the day. We were just talking about earlier, actually. Don't we all? Uh, yeah, we all did, to be fair. So I, think, I think I got sucked into that Yorkshire thing of like having a drink on a Sunday and fucking gambling my life away. But um, 
No, it, and it was literally a bit of banter with the lads because we've got big nostrils. The lads used to sit there and go, God, fucking massive nostrils. You know, stick that up there, stick this up there. And before you know it, I'd have about fucking 12 quid, 14 quid up there. And uh, the lads never wanted it back, so I thought, oh, I'm fucking in here. So I do it probably four times a time in the bar, and all of a sudden I've got about 50 quid in coins, and it used to happen on the, uh, abroad as well, so it was either a 50 pence piece or a euro. Fucking hell, the record was like 18 euros this side, 18 euros that side. And of course, the lads come, and get it out, and I went, that out on the table, and never wanted it back. So it's 40 quid, boom. Do it again, do it again. Before you know it, I'm fucking coming home with money. So I thought, I'm fucking in it, I'm clever bastard. And that, that was it, that was the story, really. But yeah, it was constant. It was like every time I went out, it's fucking, this one of my nose is massive now. And wait till it grows even more and get older. But it's a ridiculous story, but very, very true. I think just on that as well, Guy, we, we used to have trips, me and Ronnie, we'd go paintballing, we'd have a uh, go kart racing, we loved the day at the races. And this day we'd organised. A day at races, Southern racing, we've got a box there and everything. Great fault, lads. All at once, there's a knock on door. And why I'm mentioning it, because people do have problems with it, but Guy comes in, steaming. What are you doing, Gaffer? A day at races. I've got a problem. What's that? Well, gambling. He said, well, don't have a bet. No need to have a bet. And they were all on, weren't they? They were all on that day. But... We all went to the races. We had a great day out and we looked after the big man. But you're right for saying that because there is problems, gambling. Well done, big man. So we've got a question here for Ben. Get ready, Ben. Uh, it says, how have you survived the last 48 hours in this heat? From Tony. <laughs> Factor 70, I think, indoors and in the shade. Um, yeah, someone just said to me there, to be fair, I swear I used to be blonde, so I look a lot different now than what I did back then, put it that way. Uh, but yeah, fuck me, some of the hair that I used to use in my uh, in my Rotherham days, it just, I didn't look well, put it that way. <laughs> some of it, just like the chance to use that hair now. Um, this one's for Breck from Robbie. It says, Breck, can you give us an honest opinion on the Dexter Blackstock signing? Well, I'll be honest. Um, I, I weren't involved. But, uh, um, just tell you a story. When Warley asked me to just help him out, because obviously he didn't know whether he wanted the job. So I've gone in the first day, and I'll be honest, it was an holiday camp, the place. The players leaving it quarter 12 and I'm thinking what am I doing here but the first game the first game uh, that I'm stood in the dugout and I'm looking at Warney out there and I've looked at a few managers out there and I'm thinking the loneliness of a mountain and he didn't know really whether he wanted the job but uh, I'm there and he, he just looked at me and he, he was lost out there a little bit we were losing and uh, he just beckoned me and he went. I went to talk to him and he just says uh, what do you think about uh, change so I've looked at the bench and obviously it's eye contact and Dexter it was freezing cold Dexter were wrapped up in all the stuff and he stood that he looked the other way he looked down down the line away and then I did look at one or two others and they also give me away eye contact and I'll be honest and Warney will tell you I went out and tapped him I said Warney 
just get on with it and let's see it out because they aren't going to help you. And Dexter, in his career, if you look at his career and one or two clubs he'd been at, he did a job and he was a striker and it isn't his fault. It isn't Dexter's fault. It's the people that signed him, the people that get him the stupid contract, ridiculous contract it were, and it killed the club a little bit and it killed it for a lot of players because he walked away with a big payday but it's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. You know, anybody in here would have took that contract. But he, he, he was a crock. He was a crock. Dexter Blackstock, five operations before, was a good player. But five operations later, stupid signing. Stupid signing. Okay, a question from Dave on table two to Mark Todd. Uh, during your time as a first team player at Rotherham, who was the most talented player in the squad? Oh, now then, that's, that's a good one. Um, we didn't quite see it at the time, but I suppose Goats must have been up there um, with the career he had. Um, but I think for me, the guy that pressed me the most as I walked through the door um, was a little laggy. Um, yeah, he was just a wee bit different, wasn't he? He just couldn't nail him down. He kind of just did his own thing, didn't he, Breck? Um, and it kind of complemented, you know, my my game to to a large degree. And I think that's why we got promoted and then we did so well that 92-93 season when we were bombing um, before injury hit me and one or two other problems set in. But, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say Raggy. Um, but I hope he's well because I, um, I know he's a tortured beast all sometimes. I hope he's well, yeah. Okay, this is from Robert. It is for... Ronnie, and it's very formal, it says, and for Mr. Branston as well. Uh, how difficult is it? Okay, here we go. Oh, no, it's worse than that. Uh, how, difficult, how difficult is it to turn down, this is what it says in the question, the lure and the wages of Sheffield Wednesday, given the way that the two have just left, it says. And I think he's asking you to, because obviously, guy, you went to Sheffield Wednesday did not. He can wait to get rid of it. Come on, Ronnie. <laughs> it's quite easy for me. Is that why you want to go? Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I know football, but it's all about money, Nick. Can, yeah. How much can we earn? Can we get this? Can we get that? As players, you understand that. But because my loyalty was obviously at Rotherham, I just, I'd have had to move to God. It would have been a nightmare for me to go to, to Sheffield Wednesday. Right? But the two lads who have gone, they've gone for the money, obviously. You know, for the families and whatever. And I, I, it's one of them, do we knock them or do we say, look, you did well for us, off you go and whatever. It, it's hard as a supporter when you see two players leave and you want to stay here. But at the end of the day, we can't match what they can get. We, we can't, we don't, there's no justification in us saying, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. I think anybody in here, probably done the same thing it's, it's all about money so I, I don't call him Judas or anything like that sorry because I love the club estate so it's loyalty at the end of the day it comes down to loyalty but sooner or later that loyalty catches up with you and you're gone and then you think was it worth staying and doing this that and the other but at the time you can only go with your principles it's how you feel if you feel that you leave and it's not right, but why do it even for more money? My missus went mad. 
In what way? Anyway, you're a legend, you're uh, yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it, it's difficult. Are you imagine moving from here and going to Sheffield Wednesday. My God, I'd have got undrawn and quartered. <laughs> so th there's no way in this world that I, I, I would have gone there. In fact, I actually had a chat with him just to see what they're messing about. So we've actually chatted about it. And then you look how much they got it off here, this, that, and the other. And still it's like, how can you turn that down? But something in your head says you, it's not for you, you know? So that that's the main reason I stay, because if I left here, I wouldn't be the king anymore. I might be the queen. Why are you passing it me now? Oh, that's Oh, yeah. <laughs> now the queen. Well, listen, it was a it was a totally different environment for me. Um, obviously, and, and talking about the guys, like uh, we're in a situation now where you know <laughs> builders are turning down work because they've got too much on. You know, they've got double money that side of the road or double money that side of the road because you know we all need builders. So it's exactly the same thing. You know, literally over the road now, our lads are being offered double the money to go and work across the road and. It's literally that, that simple for me. So doubled my money and went across the road. And that was it. I, I didn't think too much of it. Um, I was on probably on the way out anyway. We were at the time higher. Rotherham was higher than Sheffield Wednesday. I, I just killed someone in a pre-season friendly. So the, the fans weren't really into me then either. And uh, I signed on, uh, I think I signed in January, I think January, February. Um, when I was on loan at Peterborough. So... It was a pre-season contract, um, a pre-contract before the end of the season, and I knew about it well, well into the season. So the right thing for me, it is what it is. Um, I wasn't playing at Rotherham, so I had to move across the the, the road, and thoroughly fucking enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was what it is, what it is, and listen, you all know where my heart is, and, and that's the most important thing. Same as running, like we love this place, and we come back regular. So it's what it is. The next question is for all of you. Uh, what would you say uh, are the best parts of being a professional footballer? Uh, well, even today, I mean, the difference in the 50 odd years or so, it's just great to be involved in something that you love and earn a living from. Even back in my day, I mean, Toddy said you're on 27 quid a week at Man United. At uh, uh, Rotherham, <laughs> yeah, at Man United. But my first wage were five pound a week. I don't know what Ronnie's were at Tranmere, but you know, just to to play and for me, play for your hometown, even you know, come through Rotherham boys and then juniors and the reserves and playing the first team, and still to be involved to this day a little bit, uh, doing little bits at the club, it's just a fantastic sport to be in. For me personally, I played other sports, but football, it's the family. I've got a footballing family and. Uh, I was just a five-year-old, took to Millmore with my dad, and that's it. Uh, so for me, football is just a great way to earn a living, even back in the days when we used to bite the sponge for a, 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 a mouthful of water. For me, really, it's just it's living a dream. Everybody, I'm not saying, well, it could be everybody now, because ladies are involved in everything now. It could be professional footballers. But you, 
the dream was you wanted to be a footballer. That that was my dream because I was thick as fuck when I was at school. <laughs> so I was lucky that that my braids were in my feet. So some might say in your head rather than your feet, but it, it but it's it's one of them things where you, you going in every day. The laughs you have. I mean, we used to, when we were playing, we used to be in at nine o'clock and just you weren't training till half ten, but we come in for the crack just to have the laugh and that enjoyment that you had as a player. You just, you know, even as a manager, I was a player and then you could become a manager. It's a lonely place as a manager at times. But as a player, you just have, it's just unbelievable when you're in that dress room with a good dress room because Rotherham United have always had good dressing rooms. There's no way, I know when I was here for the eight years, our dressing room was, was top notch. We had no pricks in there, no, no big time Charlies. If they were, they were gone. It's simple as that. So the, the whole bunch were together, and Wally talks about it now about the family club and this, that, and the other. But that, that's the culture we had when we first came in in '97. So it's not changed from there. It's just continued to to the level that it's at now. So for me, being a professional footballer is, is was my dream. I was earning more as a butcher. I was 17. I was at Everton, and uh, I released when I was 16. Then I went to be a butcher. So I, I was learning the trade as an apprentice butcher. And then I had a chance to go to Tramir on trial. Went there, did the trial, got, what have you done? Went there at the trial and got the, it was offered a 12 month uh, contract at Tramir on, on 20 pound less than I was in as a butcher. So, you know, the, the money at that, that stage was ridiculous, but that was my dream. That's what I wanted. And I was, I'm lucky, and we're lucky up here, that we've all had that opportunity to, to make it because there's thousands and thousands of, of people who don't make it. You know, and that, that's what disappoints me a little bit now about the academies when you've got six, seven, eight-year-old kids and they go to Sheffield United or Rotherham or Sheffield Wednesday, then they shoot them off after six weeks. Then they go to Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, or wherever, and they shoot them off again after six weeks. Our six, seven, and eight can then kids. No wonder we've got uh, trouble with mental health and whatever. Yeah. These kids are just being put through hell at times. I mean, it's ridiculous. But someone will make the dream. And when you make the dream, it's just fantastic. There's, there's nothing there. Yeah, I think exactly what Ronnie says. It's first starts with you know just wanting to be a footballer. That's that's the first thing you think of when you're young. It's a, it's a dream, and I've been lucky enough, you know, to play at some great stadiums, great against great players, against great teams, and and like I say, that's what you you think about growing up. Um, I think certainly come towards the back end of my career now, um, and and seeing the younger lads and stuff, you know, that they haven't had the opportunities that I've had, but. I think it's just, for me, it was always coming in every day, just playing football and not having to worry kind of about any other job or any other thing. You just focused on your football, you come in in the morning and like the lads say, it's for me, it was always a banter thing. So, and that's like, I miss it now and I'm still playing as weird as it sounds. That's the thing that I'll, I'll miss the most definitely is the banter and getting in with the lads and yeah, I think that that those are the two main things for me, especially at Rotherham. That was obviously the, probably the best time in my career. Um, I split up with my ex-missus at the time. I was going out in Viper rooms four times a week and, and 
getting back-to-back promotions with Rotherham, so big Steve telling me to go out every other day, so <laughs> couldn't go wrong in my eyes. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's the science behind my success at Rotherham. <laughs> I suppose trying to give it a, a, a bit of a different spin. Obviously, everything that the guys have said is 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 obviously relevant. I think for me, as a young kid in Belfast, um, growing up in what was a troubled time back home, and sort of being able to focus and and make your family proud. Um, I think that's for me the, the sense of pride of you know young international, scoring international, and then um, signing for Man United. Literally, I was playing. We don't have academies back home. It's not a full-time setup. I literally went from playing for my dad's youth club team to sign for Man United. So the sense of pride and seeing your mom's wee face and, you know, when they come over and you do the signing, she made a beautiful stuff fry for everybody. So for me, that's exactly how it, how it makes me feel. It still makes me feel now. Seeing my mum and dad's face, you know, just that sense of, that real sense of achievement for me, I've always described it as climbing the mountain and and, and putting the putting the flag in the top of that mountain because I played I, I have played in every division every all all eight divisions from one to into uh, into Unibond so I've played in all eight divisions so I've experienced you know the highs and the lows that football can give you and the guys will obviously know better than most the the highs and the lows and trying to get the kids these days to balance that against the expectations around them. Ronnie's just talking about academies. The expectation when you do go in at six, seven, eight, it's ridiculous. You know, the mum and dad have already spent the cash. So it's trying to balance that. And my current role with, with City, again, is trying to find not so much the cream on top of the, the sponge, actually the sprinkles on top of the, the top of the cream. So we're, we're looking at the very top. And that comes with great, again, great expectations and having to manage that um, that pressure and the big man will know about it and his his role as an agent now and obviously working for leicester city it's it's a, it's a very very difficult i know it's you we all know we're privileged but we did it because we're good at it and i always say to my two my boy and girl it's all right having a passion but for god's sake make sure you're very you're good at your passion you know so it's it's for me again um, without repeating too much, just seeing my wee mum's face, God rest her, um, and being able to turn up and, and and see, you know, the love in the room for Rotherham United, for ex-players, for legends. For me, that's, I'll drive home tonight with another big smile on my face, knowing that the football family, which is why I set up my wee project, the football family has an effect on all of us at whatever level, whether you're a fan, a pundit, whether you're a journalist, whether you're a player, whether you're a chairman and owner, it all comes with the love of the game. So that's it. And be able to be doing that still, 40 years on, is what makes football magic for me. Targeted Man City for years. Um, now it's sport and the things that you want to you want to feel about yourself can get lost in sport in it. And I think that's what I always enjoyed about football. There's a lot of shit going on when I was younger, and where you can get lost in it and just disappear into the the rabbit hole of football and the rewards you get from 
being good at fucking tackling and <laughs> scrapping and fucking yeah, on the pitch and editing and off the ball, not punching on it. <laughs> Tactical awareness, you said. Um, <laughs> but no, but look, it is. Yeah, it is what it is, and I'm, I'm amazed by football and how much it gives back to the, the community. But just going back to what obviously Tolly just said there, my missus hates me going out at night, leaving home with the kids. And she always said, every time I come away with you guys and come away and be part of the Rotherham, even on a Saturday afternoon, she's I'm a different person for a week because of the boost it gives you, or the mental health it gives you, and, and the, the freedom it gives you to remember back what you know, what how you felt and how you was, because things do go missing in the game when when you're out of it and you. People don't speak to you as much as you used to, and people don't call you as much as you used to, and it's even ultra difficult now. I'm an agent because trying to get Paul Warren to pick up the phone over the fucking play I'm trying to sell him, it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> Rob Scott, you know, I've fucking looked at him in the shower for fucking four years, right? He's put me off for life, and he still don't pick up the phone. But I'm only joking because they're good people. But there's some relationships you've got through the game that you've got to really, you know, use now for me personally, but. And it's them relationships I've picked up and the football family stuff that these lads have mentioned. It's like, it can be a really deep world, but it can also be a fucking unbelievable world and an unbelievably um, happy world at times. But there's a lot more lows, isn't there? But the fucking eyes are unbelievable. The promotions, the fucking, you know, the lifestyle, the everything. And it's well worth that journey. It's well worth that um, that pursuit into sport. And even we're talking about six and seven-year-olds getting disappointed, like, let's go again see what happens you know keep fucking going keep getting knocks and the ones with all the bumps on the road usually come out of it don't they? you know the man cities and the leicesters have them stories of lads who've took bumps in the road and if you're not used to them bumps by 14 15 you're going to struggle in the game because it's it gets bumpier and that's the thing you know and that's why i've got all them fucking punches and bumps in my head running <laughs> uh, but now he's, he's a top top <laughs> Well, we've got just enough time for a couple of very quick questions. Uh, ben, uh, can you tell us about the playoff semi, uh, the playoff semi after party? So an after party after a playoff semi-final. Um, yeah, it was just a standard night in Vibe Rooms, I think, for me, to be honest. Nothing that I'd not done throughout the whole of the season. Uh, I think it ended up in Spearmint Rhinos for an hour or so. Um, and then I think it was me and Tom Hitchcock on top of his car just outside my house at about quarter to eight in the morning. Um, obviously, the final was about a week away. So, again, probably wasn't the greatest one of my ideas. But, yeah, that's that's the role that we were on at the time. So it was really enjoyable. And uh, the last question, I'm going to give this one to Ronnie Moore. Um, what does it take to be a Miller's legend? Oh, there's a test, isn't it? Um, how do you answer that? Just give it your all. You know, I, I've said it before and often, people probably fed up of hearing it, but I always had a, not a dream, but a thought that I would come back in the, you know, when I was here as a player, I thought I'll come back as a manager one day and, and manage this club. And when it happened, it was just, it was unbelievable, you know, because... I'd spoke to Breck before it about coming back in and being my assistant in here. And he'd just been with Danny Begara, so there wasn't much difference between me and him, was there, to be fair? So, uh, what do you say? What do you say? I don't know. Who the fuck are on your mum? Chinese. 
told you that. Irish, mate. Yeah, so you need a lot of luck, I think. A lot of commitment. I mean, we, we've, well, Brick's been here for, for donkeys, hasn't he? So, but I was the scouser coming over here and, you know, as a player, I mean, the crowd were fantastic. You know, you, you give the crowd what they want and you, you've got to be a little bit lucky. And I think as a player, that's that's what happened. That's what we did, uh, what I gave to the club until that prick, uh, George Kerr, came in uh, with, with all his reserves, some bloody Grimsby, this, that and the other. That that's my age. If you'd have asked me before, you know, I, I don't dislike a lot of people, but he was just an absolute knob. <laughs> and that, that's just my, my my opinion about him. But to be a ledge, I suppose you've got to give your all, give your balls, give your bollocks, uh, and it helps when you've got decent players. You know, when you look when we first came in in '97, when we were trying to build a team. You know, when you look where we ended up in in 2000. You know, with, with the change round, I mean, we were lucky probably second year when we missed out on the penalties. When uh, little Asty missed a pen, we won't say that too often, but love to wind them up on it. But uh, and then we get people like Brano coming in, McIntosh and Swales and proper. Oh, yeah, sorry, it, it's brilliant because when when I, I used to say to Breck, I tell you what, this is tight, but I'm gonna leave Brano on today. Will you go and fucking tell him? True. <laughs> 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 yeah, so... You said your fucking mate to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know that's not true. <laughs> you said your fucking mate to tell me on a Friday. You know I've saved you so often, hey, mate. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. Go back, go back. The fucking joke of the man used to be the fucking pie man of the match the game before, then tell me on a Friday weren't playing. I'm like... Look at the fucking programme on it. <laughs> the match last week, went, yeah, you, you did all right. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's just that Mac was fucking better than you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding, guy. No, no. But you were unfortunate at the time that no, we had that many no, decent no. settlements. Yeah, we weren't bad. Sorry, am I organising my nice good Yeah, it was good, mate. It was fucking top good. And you're a legend, you're all right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can answer that as well. You've all you've got to win promotions, haven't you? And these fellas here have got a few promotions between them. So let's have a big round of applause for our legends tonight. And also to John, they've all given up the time to raise a bubble or two this evening and they've done a tremendous job. So give them all a massive round of applause.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.